whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. question for you as usual <laughs> have you ever seen somebody like a decade later or five years later or something like that and they didn't turn out the way that you expected that they didn't have maybe it was somebody that you saw younger and they were awkward and let's be honest ladies you were like oh he grew up nicely that's happened with me and of course most only really infatuated with my own husband, but sometimes you're like, oh, okay, that was an awkward child. She's really pretty. Not that people aren't totally beautiful all the time, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, where there's just looks that look different, or maybe that person who was really awkward in school and maybe not popular, couldn't make friends, and then all of a sudden they were like a successful businesswoman or a successful businessman, um, or in my town, maybe mayor, because it's all... <laughs> um, but you just like they went different places and then it goes the other way too sometimes you have the popular person who most likely to succeed and they can't get a job um no judgment there (laughs) i've been there but you know it's just things don't always work out um it shows us we don't you know we can make guesses and sometimes they're pretty good but we have no idea what god's going to do with a person's life we have no idea really other than our best guesses uh about what perils can come into someone's life either but I, this morning I was just reminded about God can use somebody how God can use somebody of a very unlikely resource or unlikely background um, and I'm looking at the temple I just seem to be living with David and Solomon lately there's a lot a lot of scripture about both of them and about the temple and about their lives and so Solomon's building the temple and it gives these super super intricate details about everything in the temple I have more written about the temple than I think I know of in my own home but they talk specifically about some of the bronze work which includes I'll try to go quick two columns two circular capitals and this is second chronicles form two network adorning the two circular capitals on the columns 400 pomegranates why on earth you would need 400 bronze pomegranates I'm not sure but I guess God either God told Solomon or he took it upon himself I don't know with two rows of pomegranates for each network so there's just like this greatly ornate, these things that were around the columns to make them look grand and beautiful. And 10 stands with 10 basins, one sea, 12 oxen beneath the sea. These are all bronze and pots and shovels and meat forks. Um, and it said all the things that were made were made of polished bronze. And due to the very large number of objects, this is Second Chronicles 418, Solomon didn't even try to weigh the bronze. So this was somebody who worked so much with bronze and it was just very ornate everywhere. If you can, it almost seems Romanesque to me, but this was before Rome really took, really took over the picture. This was before Christ, several hundred years, um, almost a thousand years before Christ at this point. And there's just everywhere. This is, it didn't necessarily happen like this very much, you know, just 
can you imagine so much precious metal you couldn't even weigh it all for one place which isn't even i mean the temple wasn't even the size of like a regular church nowadays it was might have been the size of a small church but it wasn't as big as we might imagine but it was certainly grand even if it wasn't big but so we're in a day where we're like we can put in our head who do you think would do this it was um not an israelite or at least not as we think of solomon actually sent out now remember back in israel's times you wanted to go for the best the brightest you wanted to go for that person who was the person of god who was full of all kind of knowledge and wisdom and this person haram was considered to be full of knowledge and full of wisdom and he did a service that was seen for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years until the temple was destroyed and from that foundation the temple was rebuilt so he really had this huge impact because he as people would walk into the temple they would see these grand things they would look up i don't know if anybody's ever been to like a huge cathedral i love the cathedrals in other countries when i was in mexico city i love those cathedrals because there's something about the architecture where you just can't help but look up and you can't help but be in awe and hopefully you're not just in awe of the architecture but you're in awe of the god who goes beyond anything we can make right so he would have contributed possibly to the sense of awe and worship as people entered the temple like everywhere with more bronze than we can imagine and and he was specifically chosen but he may have possibly been worse than an israelite in the israelites mind uh i don't know if you remember when we talk about samaritans a lot of times they were hated they were hated because they were considered half-breeds they were Samaritans were often the children of Israelites who married foreigners. Um, and forgive me for using that word half-breed. I don't like it. But what we're talking about, it's a derogatory term which says, okay, people were one of us and they went and they mated or they married or whatever. They procreated with somebody else. So he was kind of a half-breed. Um, I'm going to not say that anymore uh, because... We're all 100% loved by God, you know, all 100% created by God. But that's how he would have been seen. He was, Hiram was a foreigner. He lived in a country that was known for its sinfulness. He was a son of a craftsman in that country. His mother was an Israelite who had been widowed and so needed to remarry because widows don't do well on their own when they're young widows and they don't have children or whatever. She may have had other children. She needed to remarry. She went to Tyre, married a foreigner, and had Horam, this son. So he would have been considered that word. Somebody who was, um, you know, still 100% human in our eyes um, and in God's eyes, but somebody who would have been a mix between Israelites and really apostasy. She went and married a foreigner. Um, I can imagine if he were in a schoolyard in Israel, which he wouldn't have been, they would have said, hey, your mom couldn't have gotten a real Israelite, so she had to go marry a foreigner. That's the kind of kid that you'd make fun of if you were horrible. <laughs> and if you were a bully in an elementary school. And So he was not somebody who would have been revered. He was not somebody that you would say had wisdom if you were most Israelites. But Solomon, whom God had given wisdom, saw this person had a contribution to make. And it makes me think, you know, bronze was everywhere. 
lot of the gold and the silver, they were there, but some of them were put in the storehouses. Bronze was everywhere. So this very thing that was causing to worship, people to worship God, the very person who was seen and sent for to enable that worship, to facilitate in some ways, to catalyze, was somebody who was of foreign descent and somebody whose mother would have been seen, even worse than a foreigner, somebody whose mother would have been seen as a sellout. Just makes me think. Horam might have been a great guy. He certainly was skilled. Certainly had some sort of wisdom. We often discount who and what God can use because they don't agree with us or they don't believe with us or maybe they don't have the same kind of lifestyle that we have. And sometimes we discount them from the work. Uh, now, I'm not suggesting that you go out and take somebody who has a lifestyle you don't agree with or who doesn't agree with you, you know, whose theology is way off in left field and have them teach your Sunday school class. There are some things that uh, our spiritual leadership, those who teach our children about God, those who preach, there needs to be a certain amount of integrity that you're living what you're preaching and that that lines up with whatever place or organization you're representing. But then there are these things of service. Uh, you know, why couldn't, why couldn't we pair up with people who don't agree with us but sure want to serve humanity? I mean, does being a Christian mean we can't, you know, align ourselves with Muslims and with Mormons and with, you know, not even just other different kinds of Christian faiths and denominations? Why couldn't we do that just in order to do good things in God's name? Because remember the first... Deuteronomy 6.4, and then Jesus repeats this. The number one call of God is to love, to love God and to love each other. That does not mean we always agree. It doesn't mean we lie to each other. It doesn't mean we pretend like we agree when we don't. But if our love and our commitment to one another are 100% dependent upon agreeing with everything, then is it really love? And if we can't work with people that we disagree with on some level, are we really doing God's work? Just a thought. I'll leave you with that. Lord Jesus, thank you for Hiram. Thank you that you don't put the same kind of limitations on people you use that we do. God, we're not as smart as you. So <laughs> I just pray today for the wisdom that you gave Solomon. Um, we want to uphold your name. We want to uphold our integrity, God. And as part of that integrity, I know there's a place to work with people that don't agree with us, to love people and have conversations with people who don't agree with us, God. We want to be messengers of your truth all the time. But we know that your truth allows for us to do good things with good people, even when they're not quite where you want them to be. Because we know we're not either, Lord. And in that process, as we work, may we be witnesses through our silent example, and through our words when possible. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We want to lift up your name. We want to receive every blessing you'd have for us, uh, no matter where it comes from. If it's from you, that's all that matters. In your name, amen. Be blessed today, my friends.